Hi, welcome to the Career Refresh Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Griffin. I'm a former media and marketing executive turned career strategist and executive coach. I spent my career working my way up and through the ranks of global organizations and startups. And today I show others how to do the same. Join me each week as we discuss the strategies and actionable steps to leverage your strengths, increase your confidence, and develop your career well-being. Ready? Let's do it. Hey, friends. Welcome back. Okay, this week I have another friend for you, Erica Rooney. She is the Chief People Officer at Blue Acorn ICI. And Blue Acorn ICI is an insights-driven strategic consultancy. They deliver expertise at the intersection of data science, development, strategy, and design. Erica is also a keynote speaker. She's a podcast host of the show titled From Now to Next. She's also an executive coach and a consultant. She has over 10 years of experience in leading HR and organizations in gender equality crusades. And she's also been coaching executive women for quite a few years. As a culture expert, Erica invigorates and educates her organization through change, driving positive experiences for employees, and guiding executives through the process of change to lead to massive success. In this episode, we talk about how her desire for continued growth, this growth mindset, led her to a glass ceiling and what she did about it. We also talk about why she became a coach and why she also maintains her role as a chief people officer. She has recommendations for leaders who are the ones who are spearheading the layoffs that are going on in our marketplace and how to navigate those layoffs while leading teams. We also talk about what she looks for in LinkedIn profiles when she's hiring, so you definitely want to listen up to that. And finally, we round out by talking about how she manages her mind and keeps her career fresh. So listen, I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Any questions, email me at hello at jillgriffincoaching.com. And as always, here's the possibility. Hey, Erica, it's so good to have you here. Oh, Jill, I'm super pumped to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's get right into it. I'd love for you to take our listeners back and back to like, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? I ask all my guests this, and it's always so fun to hear, but what did you think? Oh my gosh. The first career I can ever remember being like, this is what I want to do was when I was... I don't know, probably seven or eight. And I thought that I was going to be the first female football coach in the SEC. Oh, nice. (laughs) I grew up in Gainesville, Florida. I grew up going to all the games for the Gators. I loved it. I thought it was like so cool. And I was like, I'm just going to be the first female football coach. (laughs) I didn't know really at seven and eight anything about football, except for that it was just amazing. But... (laughs) That was the first thing I ever remembered wanting to be. I love it. I love it. And then that also probably played a big part into your health and fitness, um, you know, your profession within health and fitness. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that and take us through a high level of your journey? So I kind of fell into health and wellness by accident. I think I happened to go to school for nursing. I thought I wanted to be a nurse quickly realized I did not like blood and guts. Therefore probably not the best career path. (laughs) Very similar. I wanted to be a veterinarian and I was, Oh, I don't just to get to cuddle it. Cuddle the puppies. Small intestines and like guts are not for me. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I was kind of like just in this community health major, you know, where I was just going through the motions, but I still really didn't know what I was going to do. And some local personal trainers came to one of my classes and they were like, we need personal trainers. We will train you how to do it. We just need like positive people with a can-do attitude. And I've always been a hustler. So I was like, sign me up a job that I get to set my own schedule for. Like I'm here for it. So got the job, started doing personal training, finished school. And as part of my school curriculum, I had to do an internship for my last semester. And I was able to find an internship with Verizon Wireless. Mm -hmm. And they have on-site health and wellness centers where they need personal trainers. So it just so happened that the one that I applied for, their uh, head coach was going out on maternity leave. So they really needed somebody with that hands-on PT experience already. So I got hired. And after that, I was like, this is amazing. This is what I'm going to do for my entire career. I I had to go back to finish my master's degree, but I was like, after that, I'm going to bug my boss until like I get a job. And so after I got my master's degree, he said, you can pick these three locations. And I ended up in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. And for eight years, I was in health and wellness at Verizon. And I remember on my first day, I was like, I cannot believe I found the job that I'm going to retire from. <laughs> right? I also so like a 90, 24 found... year old. Yeah. And I also love that you found something that was really blending what so many of us talk about today around well-being and wellness, right? Like you had a love obviously for fitness, well-being, wellness, but also working in corporate and able to blend those and then being on premise. And that's where I thought, like, this is my dream job. This is it. I've made it at 24. Amazing. the The problem that I still have to this day is that I am always looking for growth and challenge. And in the health and wellness industry, unless you are like training Oprah, there's only so far you can go. And I did not have Oprah's number. And I scaled to the top of the ladder at Verizon. I went as far as I could. And then I was stuck. Mm. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, all I know is health and wellness. And I'm going to have to take a whole nother job, like a whole nother career path. It was all I knew. So as I got to this place in my health and fitness career where I felt I could not climb that ladder any higher, I just threw stuff at the wall to see what would stick. I tried my hand at uh, project management, didn't love it so much. And then I really dug down deep to try to figure out why do I love health and wellness so much? And I realized that I loved it because I was able to help people. And I was able to help women recover from pregnancy. I was able to help people get up and down off the floor with their mobility so they could play with their grandchildren. I was helping people complete races for the first time and do things they never thought they could. And I loved that. And that's kind of where I saw the transition into HR, that I could help people with their careers. And so I applied to, I don't know, a hundred jobs. I lost count. I used to keep a spreadsheet, but then I was <laughs> very discouraged over this never ending spreadsheet of projections. And I was very fortunate to land with a smaller company as an HR business partner. And it was very fulfilling right from the jump because I was able to help people in their careers. I was able to help them lay out career paths and coach them through difficult conversations And then that growth problem that I have again, kicked right on in. And within 10 years, I was in the C-suite and that's where I am today. So I'm a chief people officer for a midsize e-commerce IT company. And I love it. Now, the difference with being at the top of the corporate ladder in HR versus entering HR is 
I am no longer helping individuals on a one-on-one basis. It is more about helping the corporation, looking at strategy, looking at revenue, looking at EBITDA, scalability, all of that. And I really found that I missed that one-on-one connection with people. And I started to feel a bit in a rut and a bit questioning if it was the right role for me. And that's when, again, I didn't know what I, what was I going to do? I'm at the top of this food chain. What do I do? And I took an executive coaching certification class thinking, okay, well, this will at least help me in my career. It'll help grow me. And part of that certification, I had to do training hours and I started connecting with women and coaching women. And I could not deny how much that lit me up inside. And so I now, after my five o'clock ends, I do executive coaching with women and I absolutely love it. That, I mean, that's amazing that you're able to do both. And I know a lot of people talk about that, right? Like often at times they have a primary job, but they may have another love in another area. So let's get honest for a second. What's more difficult than you had expected about juggling the two positions? Oh, what is more difficult? I think accepting that I can't do it all sometimes, right? Like my chief people officer job is my primary job. That is what, if, if push comes to shove, that's where my focus goes. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that I want to do in my own business and the women that I want to help. And I wish I could take on more and more clients, but I just can't do it all. And that, that can be a hard thing sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Then let's look at the opposite. What do you like more than you thought about holding the two roles? Mm. I like that it just gives me a different outlet. It utilizes my skills in different ways. Mm. And it's so fun for me to be able to go between the two because I still, I love the strategy sessions and I love growing companies. And that's so intriguing to me but I was missing that connection with these women and these one-on-one stories. But now I have that too. So I think before, like I really got going into it, I really felt like I had to pick one or the other eventually. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that it doesn't have to be that way. Like I can continue to do both as long as I am feeling balanced and in alignment. And and so far it's working. That's, uh, that is really, really special and very fortunate. So I want to go deeper into the work that you're doing after school, we'll call it. <laughs> but before we get there, yes. I want to come back and look, we're in a really extraordinary time. Wages have never, in the US, we're talking, the wages have never been higher. Unemployment has never been lower. Yet we've had a tech bubble, we'll call it burst, in which, you know, over the last few months, we've had couple of hundred thousand people at high profile companies um, be laid off. Most have received substantial severance package and statistics show that a lot of them will be redeployed um, either as full-time or part-time consultant type work within three months, right? So we have this really interesting place, but we also have plenty of workers who don't fit within that, that were also laid off, that were adjacent and supporting those tech companies. Mm -hmm. So If we were to be talking to both the leaders of companies first, what is it that you would recommend they do through this time to help with morale? Like there were layoffs at Microsoft again today, right? And it's like the slow drip that everybody's wondering, is it done? Is it done or is it going to happen again, right? What would you, what would be some of the recommendations you would give as a senior leader and a chief people officer 
to other senior leaders to help them manage the perhaps the unsettledness or what's going on amongst the employee ranks right now? Transparency, you know, and I know that that's easier said than done sometimes. And there's a lot of limitations when it comes to that. But I also think when it comes to riffs, if you are a leader and if, if you have control over when they are done, if you can get them all done in a shorter time frame, like I know it's a lot of hurt at one time, but it provides a feeling and a sense of security for the people who remain. Because when you go through these layoffs and team members start noticing around you, like all these people aren't online anymore that I used to ping and I'm seeing their updates on LinkedIn that they've been laid off. Like I'm wondering if I'm next and then I'm out there looking, you know, so you run this risk of higher, you know, attrition because people are scared. So the more you can be transparent about layoffs are done in these groups, we're moving forward. We had the impact by X percent, you know, we don't anticipate any further changes going forward. That's great, right? What I would further challenge leaders to do is, you know, with this wild COVID bubble and everything that happened, so many people swung so far to the right, right? I consider it like a pendulum swing. Yeah. People were making, like you said, record wages and they were just, you couldn't get them fast enough. And being someone who is in the tech world, I mean, these salaries were astronomical. Like people were coming to me in my team saying like, I got a job for a hundred thousand more dollars. And I was like, well, go, then. go. <laughs> can you take me with you? I mean, yeah. let's talk about it. Yeah. And now though, that pendulum is swinging back companies reacted not hiring at that level they didn't plan for it they're not hiring at that level anymore and they're not cutting wages from what i understand meaning some companies have definitely said listen across the board we're doing a 10 or a 15 percent salary cut but for the most part they're not cutting current employee wages they're just not hiring your peer might be getting hired now at a 20 percent lower within the salary band than what you've had. And I will tell you, it used to be a game of, I would have a candidate on the line and he would tell me on Monday, for example, my salary is 150. And it'd be like, great. And I would call him on Tuesday and I'd be like, we're prepared to offer you 150. And he would say, you know what? I just got an offer for 20,000 higher. And he's not lying. You know, like the offers were just coming in and it was like, well, shoot, do I got to offer 170 now? And it was, it was some painful years because it's like we either meet these salaries and have lower profitability or we figure it out, you know? So I encourage leaders to also try to not react, but to try to figure it out. You know, for mm-hmm. example, we did a ton of train-up programs where we brought in college age, you know, individuals, people just graduating college and put them through training programs and then got them up and running they were at a much lower salary than the people who were coming in with 10 years experience. Yeah. As you would imagine. Right. So if you can be proactive as a leader and think of creative solutions, that's your best alternative. Yeah. So then on the flip side to our listeners, what tips would you give if you're in the job market, either because you were just part of a reduction or you're sensing the sign, or it's just time for you to make a change. What Qualities, attributes, tips would you give people who are looking right now? Again, you're a chief people officer of a tech company. You see a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, my first, my first tip is network like hell, right? Like these are the days where it's not what you know, it's who you know. And especially Mm -hmm. if you're in higher leadership positions, it is all about who you know. And I will tell you, I landed two of my best jobs by networking through LinkedIn alone. It wasn't about applying on the websites. You know, there is a bunch of AI out there that sorts through resumes And who knows if yours is going to get picked. It's not necessarily about what a strong player you are and your skills and experience. Sometimes it's just about the luck of the draw where your resume landed on that pile, you know? So networking like crazy and having your own personal brand on LinkedIn. Mm. And this is something that I stress to so many people. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, I'm a technical architect. I work for, you know this IT company. And I'm like, yes, but you personally know so much about this industry or whatever it is. And so I actually have on my LinkedIn, I have a free like LinkedIn course that you can take that talks about how I teach people to strategize what they should post on LinkedIn and when, because if I'm a recruiter, if I'm a manager hiring somebody, I'm going to LinkedIn to see who, who are they, you know, what are they doing? And I pull up their LinkedIn And if they're posting, let me tell you the top five things you should know about being in tech right now, or let me teach you this really cool trick about WordPress or whatever it is. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Like they're, they know their stuff. It gives me more information about them than a traditional resume. Mm -hmm. And I have two people that look very similar on paper, but that person who's blasting it all out there on LinkedIn in a positive manner, I'm going to lean towards that person. Right. So you, so I would also say that in another way, it's like, you're looking for the person who's putting value out there on a regular basis, not because they're being told to, um, but because they have a passion for the cut the topic or the yeah. passion for the subject matter and they're putting value out there. Yeah. And I get a lot of, of people and women that I work with that are like, well, social media is not my thing. Like it doesn't come naturally to me. And I get that. And I don't think that you should put stuff out there if it doesn't come naturally to you, but there is stuff that you can put out there, right? Like you can put out an article from Forbes magazine and just say, Hey, I thought this was really cool. You know, doesn't take a lot of time. Doesn't take a lot of thought, but it shows that you're involved in the industry. It shows that you know what's going on and that you want to share it. So it, it just brings about all this other stuff about who you are as a person just by doing a simple reposting of an article. Mm, mm, yeah, I love it. Really good, really good reminders for people to like just showing that they're out there, that they're being in contribution and creating value. Yeah. So let's take a, a switch a little bit into, um, you know, one of the questions I tend to ask people is like, how do you keep your career fresh? And it sounds like from your previous answer with with having the day job and the after school job are the ways in which you keep connected and passion to those, um, to those women. Um, tell us a little bit more about what you do with those women. So usually I am working with women who are mid to executive level, right? So we're talking like director VP or higher, and they are coming to me because they are stuck in some way, shape or form, right? Whether they are stuck in their role, they don't know where they want to go next, or they feel like they can't get promoted. Or sometimes it's just like, I need some outside perspective. But what I do with them is I have a a list that they go through and I have them prioritize what means the most to them and where they want to focus. And on that list are things like 
you know, work-life balance, executive presence, presentation skills, all of those things. And we start tackling them one by one. And what I always find interesting is we very rarely stick to the list because Mm -hmm. what happens is as we dive into something, a real life experience comes out and we share and we talk about it and we roll with the punches. Um, But it's just about developing who they are as a leader. And a lot of times helping women find the confidence that they need to speak up in a room full of men. Mm. At the top, it is still very male dominated. And if you are the only female in the room, it is a lot of unique challenges. And so we go through what those challenges are and how they can also work positively with their male counterparts so that they can bring their whole selves to work. I am a huge proponent on being able to be a wife, a mom, and a career woman all at one time. Mm. No, and I love that you're giving the support, especially about how to work with, right? That we're working with others that, you know, as you mentioned, there are still, you know, dominant of men in leadership and how to work with them and how to, you know, bring yourself to work, bring all the pieces of you to work, but still make sure that you're working within the colleagues that are currently there. So I think that is, that's a really good reminder. Um, when you think about your own mindset, right? You have highs and lows. You have good days and bad days. You're human like the rest of us. How do you manage your mind? Oh, I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of gratitude work because I feel that when you focus on the positive, I, I do believe in the neuroscience of changing your brain mm-hmm. and being able to focus on positive things versus the negative things, right? People who focus on the negative, they will pump out 10 amazing projects and have a small error on one and they focus on the error, not the 10 other projects that are amazing, right? So I really try to frame what I am doing well and how I am doing well. And I will tell you that is not always an area that I am great at. Mm. And my, I have a coach, I have a therapist. My therapist was like, Erica, you need to start keeping a journal of all your wins. Like every day you need to write down your wins, whatever that is. Maybe it's that you got up today. You know, like that's great advice. It's great advice. So the brain doesn't know unless you tell it sometimes. Right. You have to remind yourself, like, look at what I have accomplished. Yeah. So, and plus, especially in HR, in this industry where, like you said, there are the layoffs and there's a lot of craziness going on right now. Sometimes just being like, you know what? I got through the day and it was a really hard day, but I got through it. Mm. Mm. And that's a win. Yeah. Who has been your most important professional mentor? You can name them or not. But whatever feels comfortable for you. But really tell us about the qualities about that professional mentor and why they're so important. So my my favorite and probably most pivotal mentor is a man named Andy Parker. And Andy was the VP of legal and HR when I was under his umbrella at a company a few companies ago. And the reason he was so pivotal in my career is because he taught me to think strategically. And Andy was not just a mentor, but I didn't know how to put this at the time, but he was truly an advocate. So he would ensure that I was in the meetings that I needed to be in, that my work was highlighted at company meetings, that my efforts were noticed by senior level leaders. And you know, I just thought he was being an amazing boss. You know, now that I'm older and I've 
learned a little bit more about leadership and mentorship, like I see that he was being a true advocate and Mm. placing me in the rooms that I needed to be in as a younger female in a very large business. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are the allies we love. So thank you. Thank you to Andy and the other people in the world. All right. My final question for you is what, what content, what podcast, what book are you reading that you would recommend to our listeners to help them along with their career journey? Oh my God. I read so many books. I will send you like a <laughs> list of my favorite, but okay. the one that I always go back to, and, and again, this is for women. So I'm sorry to all the male listeners, but it's a book called Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagalski. They're sisters. Oh so God. I yep. talk about it all the time on the show. Such a okay. Good. There you go. Case in point. It's amazing. But there's another wonderful book out there that I finished reading last year called Invisible Women. Mm -hmm. And it is all about how as women, we are living in a world that is based off the data of men. So for example, chemo drugs are all put out there based off of a male's height and weight ratios. They don't take into account that women have more fat than they do muscle. How does that help us with like... I'm not a scientist or a doctor, so I don't know how that drug would interact in our bodies, right? When they do um, FDA, it's all based on men and men's stats. When they do um, airbags, those are male crash dummies. You ever seen a female crash dummy? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So Erica, thank you. This was really helpful. I think your information, especially what you do with women after school, as we joked, I think your tips on both being a chief people officer and what to look for, um, if you're looking for a job, what to do as leadership today, I think all of that's helpful. And even your tips about content that you're reading and uh, things that you're consuming right now is helpful. So thank you for all of those tips. It was a treat to have you. And uh, I look forward to continuing our conversation on a future podcast. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Career Refresh Podcast. If you're enjoying this and you want more information, go to my website, jillgriffincoaching.com. There you can find information on how to work with me one-on-one or my group programs, or even bring me into your workplace. I'll put the link to my website in the show notes. But hey, listen, before you go, do me a favor, rate and review this podcast because it definitely helps me get the word out to people everywhere so that they can also thrive in the workplace. All right, friends, I appreciate you. I'll see you soon.